I'm Samantha B. Welcome to my podcast, Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Well, dear listeners, we did it. We made it to election day, and the voting lines may be long, but they're full of excitement, possibility, and probably a lot of people who are wishing they charged their phone before leaving the house. If you're listening to this and you've already voted, congratulations. But also, just see if you can track your ballot to make sure it's gone where it's supposed to go. And If you're listening to this while you're waiting in line to vote, thank you for choosing this podcast while you pass the time. Be patient. Don't forget that every single vote counts, not just in the presidential race, but all those juicy down ballot races too. If you're listening to this and you're planning to mail your ballot in, but you haven't yet, don't. Oh God, it's too late to mail. So take it to an official election Dropbox, or even better, directly to your local board of elections. And if you haven't voted yet and you aren't in line, stop what you're doing and go vote right now. I mean, like, thank you, obviously, for choosing my podcast over democracy, but we are going to have to multitask today. Woo! In the meantime, we've put together a very special episode of this podcast to celebrate you, the voter, and pass the time with you. Throughout today's show, you're going to hear some exclusive personal messages of encouragement from some incredible surprise guests who, like me, are so grateful for every American who has chosen to make their voices heard today, despite historic voter suppression and amid a deadly global pandemic. We know you're not just voting for the sticker. Today's going to be a long, long, long ass day, and we are here to help you get through it. I'm also going to be having an extensive conversation with the one and only Dan Rather. So take a deep breath, stay strong, and try to imagine a future where we have a new president in three months. And then be sure to vote to make that happen. Svia and Adam are here with me. My God, how are you doing? I'm so excited. (laughs) I hear it in your voice. We're all struggling. This is like a really big day. It's a really big day. And I'm so thankful to all the people who are listening. And I hope that we are a a nice accompaniment to, I guess, if your line is four hours long, we're going to join you for a quarter of that. I hope you brought an (laughs) audio book in addition, like listen to the podcast, but then I hope you're going to (laughs) transition to an audio book or something. Or people will be handing out things. I'm personally voting and I'm bringing extra pens for all the people around me if they don't have their own pen in a pandemic. That's very neighborly of you. It's very wise to bring your own pen. <laughs> yeah, we had an adorable a little girl carrying a like a pulling a wheelbarrow full of little water bottles. It was great. Oh, that's so yeah. nice. Okay, you guys voted. You early voted. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And how was that experience? I took a chance on the USPS and I voted by mail. You but did. Okay. It, but it worked. So Great. it went fine. <laughs> Look at Adam's But like, I didn't get a no, no. What? We're, oh. we're, Let's be real. We're fans of the mail here. Yes. I think that's been well established. But yeah, no, I'm just, I got nervous early on about mm-hmm. all the news reports about the mail being slow. So I made a commitment pretty early on to vote early in person. I, mm-hmm. I think this is new to New York because I've never yeah. had this option yeah. before. So we went on the first day, and hilariously enough, my wife was very pessimistic and was like, there's not going to be a line. <laughs> so oh. we got there like 15 minutes before the polls opened, and of course, we waited four and a half hours, which is the longest I've ever waited to vote. Wow. But it's obviously nothing compared to so many people. So, Oh, my you know. goodness. But it was worth it, obviously. Yep. And you got a I sticker. I would literally I'd stay there for... Maybe a year if I knew the result would mean that Donald Trump would not be president. Spoiler alert. Yes. I did not vote for Trump. (laughs) Um, I'm early voting. So when people are listening to this, you know, we've all voted then because I'm early voting tomorrow, just a few days before actual election day. And my polling place is the polling place that they're showing on all the news stations as the place in New York where you have to wait a really long time. <laughs> so you must like, have no life to get to this. 
<laughs> I blocked out an entire day. I was like, no one reach out. No one need anything from me on this day. And I got a, a phone charger. Like I got an extra power source and I've got extra pens and I'm going to take some snacks. I don't know. I'll just wait there. I brought, I'm gonna, I've got a book to read. I've got a play to read. I've got work to do. I'm just I feel I'm just like you're going to bring like a little folding table and set up a desk every like two feet that you move. I considered bringing a chair oh yeah i saw a lot of people with chairs a lot that, of people I thought they had were smart. chairs if you bring a chair you're 100 percent going to end up on the news <laughs> yeah, Lazy Samantha that, B. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely was like well then i'm going to bring a chair and then i'm gonna and i'm gonna give it to someone who needs a chair and then i was like i should just bring a chair and give it to someone who needs a chair oh. and then but i don't I don't actually have a chair. <laughs> I like my chairs and I don't actually I want to get rid of any of them. I don't want it. No, I, I don't have any portable chairs sure. and now I've left it too long and it's kind of too late. So I'll just have to, the person who needs a chair, I'll have to hold, I'll have to hold them in my arms. They're just going to sit in your lap. I'll be the chair. <laughs> it's a good I'll, thing this is coming out after I'll day. make a bench. I'll make a bench with my body. I'll do a cat cow and uh, just sit on my back. It'll be totally fine. <laughs> I think it should be very congenial and I'm very, um, I'm extremely excited to do it. My husband's doing it right now because the polling goes till eight o'clock or something in our district tonight. Oh. And so he was like, well, I'll see you. See you later. I'm like, good luck. Godspeed. I hope you get in there. <laughs> He's going to still be there tomorrow when you get live. It's possible. We we would line up all night. This is like getting Van Halen concert tickets <laughs> in 1984. This is, I would get a sleeping bag if that's what it took. I felt that I personally, I'm interested that you didn't feel exactly the same way, Sophia, but I felt like I needed to physically, mm -hmm. in the moment, I needed to like, I'm concerned, actually, that I'm going to fill in the bubble too hard. And I'm going <laughs> to break, break the pen. Ink well, everywhere. luckily, you brought extra pens. That well, what so if I funny. what if I burst through the paper? Like, what if I stab the paper too hard? <laughs> I think they would. I think they would give you. A they new give one. me a new one. I'm yeah. gonna need another ballot. Take as many. I'll take as many as you need. I had to deface this one. Can I have a couple of extras? Yeah, yeah. just go off in the corner with some crayons, and we'll get you back on board. Yeah, I mean, this I I get that. I I think voting in person is great, and I do that. I, I usually do that. But mm -hmm. I I waited in line in Brooklyn in the midterms in 2018 for three <laughs> hours in the rain. Ooh. And I'm like, I did that during the midterms, guys. Yeah. Come on. I yeah. get a pass. I can have the mail You this can year. use the mail. The mail is yours. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to talk to Dan Rather today because I really enjoy him. He's seen it all. Truly. He has seen it all. And I want to talk to him about it all. And then I'm going to make some... Uh, soul nourishing snacks. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. I gotta take something with me. I feel like I don't. I don't know what's gonna give me energy to to last. We'll see. We'll see. Well, maybe I'll read a play and act out the play for everyone online. <laughs> They'll be like, "Can you let her through first? She's an idiot, and we can't stand with her anymore." <laughs> okay, well, this is very invigorating. So we'll be right back with Dan Rather. But for now, enjoy these pep talks to keep your spirits up during some potentially long hours on your feet. Hello, fellow citizens. Hello, voters. Hello, Samantha B. It's your old friend, Judd Apatow. Thank you for voting. Thank you for waiting in line. Thank you for finding the proper identification and making sure your signature matches the signature that you did 12 years ago when you registered last time. You are changing the world. It's fun to vote. We finally get to fire him. Oh, the delicious irony. Hi, it's Allison Bree. I'm so happy you're voting today. Please don't forget to hydrate, but also don't hydrate too much because if you're anything like me, I have to pee all the time. It's it's a real problem. So so, you know, hydrate responsibly and thank you for voting. Hey, it's Adam Rapon. It's election day. It only took 100 years, but now we're here. Now, make sure that you get out and fucking vote. How do you do, fellow kids? Steve Buscemi here. How's it going? I want to thank you for doing your part in keeping our democracy healthy and strong by voting. So hang in there. Don't give up. 
You have the power. You can do it. Vote. Hi, it's David Duchovny. Voting is such a huge part of our democracy, and we all get to participate. I first voted in 1612, uh, and I have been voting ever since. So thanks for doing your part. Now we're voting twins. Joining me today is broadcasting legend and social media superstar Dan Rather. For multiple decades, Americans welcomed Dan into their homes as a journalist and then as the reigning anchor of the CBS Evening News from 1981 to 2005. And when he left that gig, instead of resting on his laurels, he simply would not stop anchoring. He's got a YouTube show, The News with Dan Rather, at a time when a lot of his peers don't know what YouTube is or where to find it. And he's also the host of Dan Rather's America on Sirius XM's Radio Andy. He's the author of numerous books, including What Unites Us, Reflections on Patriotism, and on this historic Election Day. I can't think of anyone who could provide more of a unique perspective on where we've been and where we're going. Welcome to the show, Dan Rather. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm really, really excited to be talking to you today. We are speaking a couple of days before actual Election Day, but this podcast will air on Election Day. And I think that a lot of people are going to be standing online listening to this podcast. And so I think that giving them the gift of hearing from you is going to be very joyful. <laughs> well, well let's, I'll do the best I can. Let's give the people what they need. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? What can you project into the future, into the election day future? How are you going to feel on that day? How, what do you think? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm happy and I'm mm -hmm. excited. Yes. This is, a, this is a tough time for our country. Mm -hmm. It's a, an especially tough time for people who are having to deal with the virus and wildfires and hurricanes. But, you know, this is a great moment yes. in the history of the country. This mm -hmm. is a very special election, a very important election. We tend to say that about every presidential election, but this time right. it has the added advantage of being true. Yes. And thus far, I am so proud of my country. I really am proud of the United States. Do we have problems? Yes. Mm -hmm. is, is this in many ways a dark time? Yes. But I'm so proud because the early indications have been that people are taking or giving this election the serious thought and the action that, it, that the moment in history deserves. Right. All those people lined up, people standing in line. I'm so proud of them, you know. I sometimes talk about what, what each of us need to do is mm -hmm. think about a kind of heroic citizenship. Right. Well, it, there's a certain heroism in standing in line for a long time in a mass, trying to observe social distancing, sometimes for long hours. I, I just am, I'm so proud. I, I, I'm, I can't express how happy I am at this moment. Yes. You know, we sing, we sing in our national anthem about land of the free Mm -hmm. Oh, the brave. This is a demonstration that we've still got it. Right. We, we've got problems. We got it. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I, I'm as happy to use a text expression. I'm as happy as a hummingbird in a honeysuckle. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You're making me feel great. I agree with you. Isn't it so? I almost feel... I feel emotional about it. I think it's going to be such an emotional day for people. Listen, without apology, I am emotional about it. I've yeah. been emotional about every election since I was taken by the hand by my father sometime in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. he, he took me to the voting precinct with him. He thought it was important. That, you know, I, his oldest child, went with him sure. to the precinct sometime in the 1930s. Wow. I mean, you know, that uh, trigger was still a coat right. uh, at that time. But ever since then, you know, th there's a certain majesty mm -hmm. about walking into a polling precinct and casting your ballot. Now, of course, yes. it can be done by mail and some other ways. But mm -hmm. you bet I get emotional about it. And I've been emotional. every. My, I voted for the first time uh, in a presidential election in 1952. Okay. That, was, that was Eisenhower versus Stevenson, which Eisenhower eventually won. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I was a, a vote. Voting mm -hmm. ages were different at that time. But you bet I'm emotional about it. And yes, I was emotional every night I sat in the anchor chair for CBS News on election night 
And I said many an election night, and I say that with some humility because I was always honored to be there. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt a responsibility to try to get it right. But I was also emotional about it. You bet. And without apology. And I yeah. think I think, think people should be emotional about today. Yes. It feels like such an opportunity. It's such an opportunity to make a statement about who we are and what our values are. And I'm so proud to be able to vote now. I'm so like, it's so, I mean, the first time that I ever voted in the United States was when I cast my vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016, because I had just gotten my citizenship prior to that. And it was such a proud moment. I like skipped to the polls that day. I wore my little sticker. It didn't exactly turn out for me. And now I'm so I cannot wait. I'm early voted like at the time that we're speaking, I have early voted a couple of days before. And I can't wait to get there and cast my vote in I'm doing it in person safely. I'm bringing my own pen. I've got extra pens for everybody who's around me if they don't have their own safe COVID free pen. And we're gonna do it. And we're gonna put our little mark on the paper and it's gonna happen. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I love that enthusiasm. I love that enthusiasm. And you know, among other things, you were talking about the opportunity. It's an opportunity to pay a debt, an right. ongoing debt. You know, look, without being trying to be smallsy about it, I, I have no hesitation to say to vote is to pay a debt to all those people who gave their lives mm-hmm. over long decades ago to ensure that each and every one of us had this right to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, from revolutionary times and through all of our war times, including World War II and things since then, people died to give us the opportunity to vote in person. And it's, it's, it's a debt paying day in addition to a joyous celebration. Is this the most, is this the most engaged you've ever seen people? And if so, do you think it'll have a lasting impact? Do you think that, do you think that now that people are more engaged, that's going to stick, we're going to, that's going to stick for us? Well, first of all, I do think that on the basis, we're not through with it yet. Right. But on the basis of what I've seen so far, I think in in my lifetime, I was born in 1931. Uh, this is the most engaged uh, that I have seen the country as a whole. Mm-hmm. In some past elections, certain sections of the country were, uh, you know, seemed to be more engaged than others. But here, I, I think in all 50 states and beyond, uh, and I, I I have not seen this level of engagement before. Now, right. as to whether it sticks. I'm not sure. I don't mean to dodge the question, but that's to be determined. A lot of that will be determined by how the election finally comes out and how we deal with post-election. You know, Samantha, and I know you know this, but it's worth reminding ourselves that we're the voting day, the last voting day being the first Tuesday in in November. Mm -hmm. After the last voting day and after the last vote is, is cast, Whomever wins the election, there's going to be the the thrill of victory for those who won and the agony of defeat for those who lose. Yes. It's going to be a critical time for the country because in countries such as ours, at let's face it, what we are is we are a constitutional republic mm-hmm. based on the principles of freedom and democracy. Now, with that as a given, what's key for us is that when we have an election, that the public at large be convinced that the election was overall fair, that right. the, the party who's announced as the winner was the actual winner. Remember, we have the electoral college voters, the yes. winner of the electoral college vote, and that the losing side accepts the verdict of the ballot box and that the losing side says, in effect, okay, we fought a good fight and we lost it. Now, that's going to be very difficult to pull off given how hard fought this election has been and how strong passions run on both sides. What I'm suggesting is that, you know, our first duty is to vote. The second duty is after, after you cast your vote to have confidence in the system. There are a lot of people who are trying to undercut our belief that the system actually works. Mm -hmm. The system is not perfect. It can't work perfect, but it's a pretty good system. And this is really important that people understand that once 
a, a winner is declared. Mm-hmm. It's important that all of us pull together. That you know, I, I, frankly, Samantha, among the things I fear, and I'm not given to fear. Sure. But but we go down the list. One is that the winning side in this presidential election will gloat. Right. And that the that this will make it very difficult for the losing side to accept the verdict of the ballot box. We've mm-hmm. already seen in the case of the Supreme Court vote, which just went down a, you know, a few days ago, mm-hmm. that the winning side, the Republican side, uh, specifically the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he gloated about it. I'd right. like to think that he, if, he, if he thought about that, if he had to do over, he'd do it different because gloating is going to hurt a lot if there's very much of it in the wake of who won, wins and who loses. But right. we're ahead of ourselves. It's just to point out that it's going to take a lot after we know how this vote went to make accommodations with winners and losers. And by the way, Samantha, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that you and I emphasize how important being patient and holding steady and holding ourselves together is going to be because yes. we're we're accustomed to having the final vote day, first Tuesday in November, and then knowing either that night or sometime early the next morning who has won and who has lost. Yes. Now, in this particular election, for a lot of various reasons, not the least of which that we've made it easier for more people to vote ahead of time by mail vote and so forth. We may very well not know mm-hmm. the night of the final voting day or the next day or the next day after that. It, it could be, could be, depending on how things go. It might be days or even weeks before we know who won. And the fact that if it turns out that way, the slowness in knowing who won and lost does not mean that there's something wrong in the system, that there's been some fraud or what have you. Mm-hmm. It just means that with this many people voting, perhaps a record number of people voting, with the new expanded rules of when people can vote, it may take a while. And that's right. going to test our patience and require us to be, one of my favorite words, steady. Steady, calm, very challenging. Well, how do you think, I mean, you have anchored <laughs> so many election nights through the years, and you were there anchoring in 2000, when there was all that internal pressure to call the race in either direction on the night. Do you think that, like, how should newscasters cover the results tonight in a realistic way without trying to make those calls that really would be irresponsible? What do you think we're going to see? Well, you know, I learned a long time ago not to try to make predictions about what we're going to see. Yeah, yeah. I'm fond of saying that he who lives by the crystal ball learns to eat a lot of broken glass. Oh. And, and I have mm-hmm. I have eaten I've eaten my short <laughs> of broken glass, including the night of the 2000 election. Just to right. review briefly, I think most people know, but some people weren't alive at the time and other mm-hmm. people, their memories fade, that the networks, all of the major networks, call the race. Mm-hmm. fairly early. My recollection is on the order of by 8 or 8.30, certainly by 9 yes. o'clock in the Eastern time zone, mm-hmm. the networks had, in in good faith, had said Al Gore is very likely going to win this race. Al Gore is, is the winner of the race. Mm-hmm. Now, that was premature. Mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. And the mistakes got compounded as the night went along. And by 2 a.m., nearly everybody had pulled back that early projection and said, well, wait a minute, right. mm, it's so close, who knows? And by 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, it was the first to saying that George Bush is winner. Now, I was in the anchor chair that night, and, and I, I don't speak for anybody in any other network, but I, I do know this, that the critical mistake was made by calling Florida. The networks took into account, as they always do, a number of factors and said by about 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the Eastern time zone that Al Gore would carry Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, this was done in the following context, Samantha, and follow, follow me through here. Yeah. That it, at CBS News, and CBS News helped to invent the modern calling of elections in the early 60s. At CBS News, when we went into the 2000 election, the CBS News election unit had called more than 3,000 races 
over the years, wow. including presidential races. Mm -hmm. And it had been wrong three times. Three wow. out of, I think it was 3,300 races. And, and statistically infinitesimal uh, number of, of mistakes. So we were very confident. Now, as it turned out, and I include myself in this criti criticism, we were overconfident. So were the other networks because mm -hmm. the, the judgment in Florida People underestimated the number of votes that would come in from northern Florida, particularly the Florida Panhandle, which were overwhelming Republican votes. And right. that turned it around. Probably too much history for most, most people. But well, I, would, I think it's, would it's say very interesting. What, what, what we've learned about anchoring, and I, I believe that you will see this in, in anchors at every network, I would say with the possible exception of Fox, mm -hmm. uh, for reasons that most people understand we won't go into here, Mm -hmm. But the anchors, all all those people on television want to do a good job. Right. And, and desperate to do a good job. Uh, yeah. Now, they may make some mistakes, but I think that they will be especially careful not to repeat the mistakes of 2000 when the race to be first in calling, you know, who won and who lost mm -hmm. got too competitive. So I think in the heads, inside the brain of these people you're seeing on television, on uh, the first Tuesday, you know, the last day of voting, mm -hmm. is that they will be remembering a, an old saying in journalism, which is, you trust your mother, but you cut the cards, which is oh. to say, you trust your decision desk. That's what the desk is called around which the experts in deciding uh -huh. when to call a race or not. Mm -hmm. You okay. trust your mother, but you trust the cards. It's another way of saying they'll be super careful and I think hyper careful. Okay. Oh, I like that. Because when you said that, I, I heard it as trust your mother mostly, but you cut the cards because you can't trust your mother. <laughs> well, you know, your mother a, will cheat you. It's an old, it's an old gambling <laughs> expression, you know, that you're, you're playing poker, you're playing bridge, sure. you're playing for money, whatever. Your mother's a wonderful person and you trust her, <laughs> but you cut the cards anyway. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't trust her a hundred percent. She's a slippery one, your mother. She has untold depths, okay? She had a life before you were born, and you don't know exactly what that life looked like. <laughs> okay, let me just squeeze in a quick break to give our listeners a chance to hear some more from some of our famous friends. Hey, it's Andy Cohen. Voting is such a huge part of our democracy and we all get to participate. I still remember the first time I cast my vote, and I've been voting ever since. So thanks for doing your part. We are all in this together. Why, hello, voters. It's me, your local voting nerd, Amber Tamblin, here to thank you for taking the time to vote today. My love for civic engagement started before I could even legally cast my vote at the ages of 13 and 17, when I would volunteer at my local polling station. I was the one who got to give out the I voted stickers. I was very cool. And I've been voting ever since. So thank you for standing in those long, long lines today and making sure your voice is heard on election day. Hi, it's Adam Pally. Voting is such a huge part of our democracy and we all get to participate. I first voted in I don't, um, <clears throat> I'm old and I don't want to give you an exact, I don't want you to date. Anyway, thank you so much for doing your part. And I just want to let you know that it's a blast to be voting twins. Hey voters, it's me, Javier Munoz. I'm just here to say thank you. Whether you voted early, by mail, or standing in line at your polling place right now, you're taking part in the democratic process. And I think that's hot. Hi, it's Beanie Feldstein, and I wanted to congratulate you for showing up today. Now comes the hard part. You've got to stay hydrated, stay in line, and stay vigilant about your voting being counted. This is the most important election of all our lives. I know we always say that, but it's actually true this time. So hang in there, stay hopeful, and feel good about what you're doing. Okay, you're from Texas. I know you don't want to predict what's going to happen there. Don't answer that. You can't answer that. But oh, it's exciting. Did you well, ever think that you'd it see is exciting. this? And, and here's a way to look at it. Things are moving in Texas. 
Yes. And there is a widespread guess. And Samantha, this is, these are really guesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, various people will try to tell you, well, it's based on this. But at this stage, trying to figure out whether Texas, which has been voting Republican for several decades now, mm-hmm. a, a very ruby red state, there are some guesses being made that the demographics have changed such that in this particular election, mm-hmm. there's a real possibility that the Democrats could win Texas. If, if they won Texas, remember Texas is the second most populous state in the country, second mm-hmm. only to California, a treasure trove of, of electoral votes. I would say this, if, if Joe Biden could carry Texas, he almost definitely would win the election. But let me make clear that these these guesses about things are moving in Biden's direction. Frankly, if you have to bet the rent money, you still bet that Trump carries Texas. Right, right, Is there right. a possibility, a possibility that Biden could take it? There are a lot of people guessing yes. But, you know, at this stage, at this late in the game, guesses about who's going to carry a state such as Texas yeah. are about as useless as a lame horse in a deep, deep ditch. And that's very useless. <laughs> a lame horse is not going to get out of that deep. Don't even try it. It's not going to work. Well, you know, let's talk about polling a little bit because we are so, I mean, the the number of polling statistics that come into my social media feed, <laughs> feeds on a daily basis now. I mean, it's unbelievable. Should we be moving away from polling as an indication of public opinion? It's yes, been, we should. We particularly should. when it comes to elections. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to say that the press in general, and I do not accept myself from this criticism. Sure. They've done, we in journalism have done it less this election than in some recent elections, but we still spend far too much time reporting on polls. Uh-huh. Polls at their very best, at the, the best of polls, at the best of them. They're simply a snapshot of a moment in time. People sometimes don't tell posts with the truth. Sometimes they change their mind. That, that, that there's been far, far too much of, of reporting on on polls. Right, and, and I just—it's it, 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 the like, easiest thing to do. The yeah. easy thing to do is just pull in polls and write a story about the polls. The tough thing to do is to wear out shoe leather or tires on the car and go to places and talk to actual voters. Yes. But to answer your question, there's far too much uh, reliance on polls, and quite frankly. And I could get in trouble for saying this because experienced politicians don't like to say it. I think the politicians, the people who run for office themselves, mm-hmm. depend on polling far too much to decide where to spend their money, where to spend their right. time. Right. Where to spend their time, where to put their their mental and emotional energy. Like issues but, you know, that polls they think, are addictive. You know, polls yeah. are addictive. They're addictive not only for journalists, but also for readers and viewers and listeners. And in some ways, uh, particularly in presidential elections, uh, public opinion polls are more addictive than crack cocaine. People are just, they're addicted right. to them. And they don't yeah. we don't seem to be able to break this pattern of being far too dependent on them. Where do you get your news? Like, where do you, you know, we've kind of moved away from, you know, I mean, you were obviously a staple of the classic evening news broadcast, but there really is no single perch from where a news anchor can have the kind of influence that you had or that Walter Cronkite had. Do you, do you think there will ever be something akin to that again? What could that even look like? Or are we just too, we're all just satellites now? Well, I'd like to think that in the future, there may be something, some equivalent to it, Mm -hmm. but honestly, and I always try to be honest with you, Samantha. Sure. I I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Mm -hmm. They, the competitive pit for news, and I'd like to put news in quotation marks because much of what passes for news is at base entertainment. It's designed to be entertainment and is entertainment, but they just call it news. But at any rate, particularly with the advent of the Internet, right? there's just so many uh, places calling themselves news that I just don't see the heyday of, of television being what we used to call the national hearth. You know, every evening at 6.30 or 7 o'clock, the nation pretty much gathered around one of three networks 
to hear the news. Right. It's hard for me to imagine that happening in the future. I think what's more likely is that certain institutions, not individuals, mm -hmm. that certain institutions will become known for their high ethical standards, accuracy, and their commitment to facts and uh, objective analysis of facts. Now, mm -hmm. for example, you asked me where I get my news. Yes. Yeah, look, I, I'm, in, I'm in the news craft uh, all my adult life and part of my young person. Mm -hmm. I'm all news all the time. Yeah. Uh, but And so I'm all over a lot. I watch nearly every channel. I, I'm constantly checking on the Internet. But when I absolutely positively have to know it, uh -huh. And have to get it. When something breaks, and I'm saying, look, it's all over the place. I don't know who to believe. Yeah. There, are two, there are two places more than any other that I go to when I absolutely have to have it. They are in no particular order. One, the Associated Press, yeah. and the other is Reuters. Mm -hmm. Now, these are two longstanding, more than 100-year history of being worldwide news gathering operations. I say mm -hmm. news gathering because they actually have reporters in every country and every, every capital, they have real reporters gathering news. They don't just use news other people have gathered and package it. They actually gather the news. Right. That and, makes a huge difference. And they have, a, they have very high ethical standards. Mm -hmm. They have a long, as I say, 100-year-plus history of accuracy and dependability. So if someone were looking, if someone's listening to this and saying, well, I'd like to know someplace to, to tune to, to get to right quick, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, either the Associated Press, the AP, or Reuters. And by the right. way, I, don't, I, don't, I have no money interest in either one of right, these, so right. I'm not promoting for that reason. And by the way, the Associated Press has a key role to play in American presidential elections in deciding when a race is called for one candidate for another. It's a fairly complicated process but because the Associated Press has reporters, you know, in a lot of places almost everywhere mm -hmm. that they play a key role for all networks in reporting how elections go. News organizations, including the AP, they observe the vote count in real time mm -hmm. and then they use a variety of information to determine when a winner is to be declared the winner in each race. Now, you say, well, what do they use? This includes the AP, and most especially the AP, because I repeat for emphasis, they actually have reporters on the ground in important precincts all over the country. When a network says CBS News has determined that when all the votes are in encountered, so-and-so will have carried so-and-so, what's that mm -hmm. based on? Well, number one, it's based on overall vote totals. Number two, it's based on the exit polling of voters polling right. voters when they come out of polling places and finding mm -hmm. that vote, and then estimating the number of votes that are yet to be counted in each precinct. So those are three of the criteria that are used, overall vote totals, exit polling, uh -huh. and the estimated number of votes still out, still uncounted. That's what, what they base their projections. Okay, okay. Too complicated? No, 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 no. I think this is great. This is this is what I'm here for. I'm as, I'm as happy as a... As a as a ladybug in a feather duster <laughs> listening to you talk. But you you didn't take my bait, though. You were supposed to say, I only get my news from Full Frontal. It's okay. It's fine. Don't worry. Oh, I missed my cue. <laughs> I'm okay. Cue. I missed my I'm, okay. Cue. I'm okay with it. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we're having a good time because I hope people who are listening to this have a yes, good time. Yes, me too. I think it's a, it, it really is It is a happy day, and I'm going to just treat this day as a day of promise, as you said at the beginning, and I really just, I really do feel that way. I'm really excited for this message that we are all going to send. I really... Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm I'm just like humbled and so grateful to see all those big lineups of early voters just like you. Okay, let's talk about I want to talk about you for a second because you I mean <laughs> you have a demonstrated ability to adapt to the media landscape, okay? You're like still you're like a newsman, you're doing it and you I think use Facebook better than anyone I know, and you're oh, you. doing important and factual historical posts, 
you're really educating people. You, it's possible that you're the only good thing on Facebook. So as someone who really relies on it, do you have thoughts on its role in democracy? On the role of Facebook and social yeah. media in general? Yeah, yes. Well, it's, it's the closest thing we have, and it's not very close, mm-hmm. but it's the closest thing we have to what you referred to earlier when the three big three networks, when it was CBS, NBC, and ABC is the only truly national networks, only three, mm-hmm. and that the evening newscasts were seen as kind of a national hearth. What we have now on the internet with Facebook, it's a far cry from what we had in the heyday of the anchors, 60s, right. 70s, and 80s mm-hmm. in the, the 1900s. But I see Facebook and social media in general as as close as we have to it now. The difficulty, uh, and, you know, it's not very close at all, but it's about as close as we have. For myself, you know, I was slow to come around to social media, Twitter and Facebook specifically. Mm -hmm. But I work with a small group of younger people. Let's Mm -hmm. face it, they're all younger than I am now. (laughs) That I've reached that stage where I don't even buy green bananas, you know. but, (laughs) but, But nonetheless, these young people came to me and said, Dan... If you want to be relevant, even to a small, infinitesimal degree, mm-hmm. if you want to be relevant, even on the edges, it's, it's imperative. It's not a choice. You've got to be on social media. Right. I doubted it, as older people tend to do, mm-hmm. uh, but said, well, okay, I'll try it. And I, frankly, was, I was very pleased, but I was also very surprised at the number of people who, at least for a brief period, would pay attention to what I have to say. What I'm trying to do on social media, and this, I don't mean to talk your question to death, but look, what you, what you see with me is what you get. Right. In the end, I'm basically a reporter who got lucky, who got very, very lucky. I'm not, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a historian. Mm-hmm. I'm never the smartest guy in any room you walk into. I'm a I don't know about that. No, well, I don't know about that. Well, I do. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> but over the years, I have been very lucky and mighty blessed. I've been a few places, seen a few things that includes, you know, wars, revolutions, natural disasters and what have mm-hmm. you. So with the with the Facebook posts and to some degree with Twitter, what I'm trying to convey is, folks, I'm trying to put what's happening to us in these moments of history into some context. Particularly, right. I'm trying to give context and perspective to what's happening, particularly historical context and perspective. And if that's what I'm trying to do, others will have to judge how well or how poorly I do it. But that's what I'm, and that's that's what's found found me an audience, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. insofar as I have one uh, on on social media. Twitter is, you know, Twitter allows, frankly, allows some of the time just to have a good time. Just right. to have a good laugh or say something smart as which you later regret, but <laughs> at the moment somebody finds funny. Well, I think you have a very you have a you have one of those great you just have a great social media voice. It just really works. I don't know. It just it's clean and pure. It sounds like your voice it's perfect. Anyways, that's all. I'm just giving well, you a I compliment. Really appreciate that. I hope Thank that's you, I hope it's okay that I gave you a compliment. Anyways, okay, let's talk about Joe Biden for a sec, because he came into the Senate during a time when you were covering politics for CBS. What have your impressions of him been through the years? And do you think that he would be capable of adapting to this current political moment if he becomes president? Well, that's one of the questions of the day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it will be the question of the day if it turns out he wins the presidency. And let me say, I think it makes a difference. If if he wins the presidency, it'll make a big difference whether he wins overwhelmingly right. in an avalanche or whether it's close. Right. Now, in answer to your question, yes, I had met Joe Biden before he was elected to the Senate. Okay. Then really got to know him in mm-hmm. his early years in the Senate. The most impressive thing about Joe Biden is his growth as a person, as a man, and most importantly, as an elected official. Mm-hmm. When he came to the Senate, and I think he would be the first to acknowledge this, that he knew very little, I'm, I use this as an example, he knew very little about foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Later, he became almost by acclamation 
Republicans would quietly agree, even with Democrats, that he probably became the most knowledgeable senator about foreign policy, international relations, of anybody in the Senate. It took him, you know, 30 plus years to become that, but he became mm -hmm. that. Secondarily, I believe that Joe Biden spent more time as a senator in combat zones with American mm. combat sailors, soldiers, airmen, and Marines uh -huh. than any other senator. I'm not sure I could back that up, but I ran across him on battlefields, including uh -huh. Iraq and Afghanistan when I was there covering, and I was surprised at the number of times I would cross paths with Joe Biden. Huh. All of that's on the plus side, and he is... He is that classic American pleaser. Right. Now, that has a plus side and a minus side. Mm -hmm. You know, F. Scott Fitzgerald called it, I think, the American disease. Right. That is that you want everybody to love you. Right. <laughs> and yes. Joe Biden, and, and this can be read as a criticism, although I've always seen it also as something of a plus. Mm -hmm. He does want to please. He studies people. And he sees himself as somebody who can always reach common ground. Now, in answer to your question, what we need after the election, whomever wins, we need a new sense of unity. We yes. need to emphasize those things on which we can agree. If Donald Trump wins, I know there are a lot of people who don't want to even entertain the notion, but if Donald sure. Trump wins, the question is, you know, how do we hold the country together? How do we stay united for another four years? Yes. I, I, for one, we can do it. It will be difficult. But right. if Joe Biden wins, and that's your question, if Joe Biden wins, he, he has the ability to bring the country together insofar as it can be brought together. Mm -hmm. I do worry a bit about maybe trying too hard to please. And I think people who know him well would say to themselves, well, it would be better to have someone who erred on the side of trying too hard to please as opposed to what we have had for the last right. two and a half or four years of somebody who seeks to divide the country. Right. The biggest difference, I think, uh, between Joe Biden and a first Trump term, look, a second Trump term might be different. I don't see it being different, yeah. but I don't rule out the possibility. It could be worse. Could it be very well worse. could be worse. You bet yeah. it could be worse. You bet it could <laughs> yeah. be worse. But with Joe Biden, that he will try to see himself, he'll try to see himself and be seen as president of all the people right. of every American, including those who voted for Donald Trump, right. as opposed to what we have had, as I say, the last three and a half, four years. Sure. He will try very hard to do that. Now, key into whether he can succeed even a little bit in doing that will be whether the Democrats get control of the Senate. There's right. a real possibility that the country could elect Joe Biden, but keep the Senate in the hands of the Republicans. Mm -hmm. That would make it much tougher for Joe Biden to pull the country together again. How do you think that history will judge the Donald Trump presidency? Like, where's the library going to go? Well, it, oh, it, it's, always library. it's always difficult to say what history's judgment would be. Sure. And President Trump, and again, let us emphasize, he is not necessarily finished. Right. Joe Biden is favored. I think he should be favored. Mm -hmm. There are many paths by which Joe Biden can win, but there are several paths through the Electoral College through which Donald Trump could win. So, yes. But if if he's to have only one term, mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to see how history isn't going to judge Donald Trump as among the worst and perhaps the worst president in the history of the country. Mm -hmm. uh, I could be very wrong. The record will show I'm, I've been wrong some time in the past, but just looking at what he has done and what he has not done, uh, it's very, very difficult to see how history is, will fail to judge his as a, not a very good presidency, if for no other reason, and I think there are plenty of other reasons. The bungling, the lack of leadership on the worst pandemic that the country has had in at least 100 years is going to play very badly in history, unless yes. I miss my guess. Oh, boy. What, what do you think? I don't You know, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot, as I'm sure you do too. And I, and people are so hopeful, I think, in my world. And they're like, yeah, but like he's got, you know, he's only got a 15%, whatever it is, like a 15% chance of winning the election, of winning a second term. And I'm like, I try to remind people, I'm like, no, I, lightning has struck twice for me in a lifetime. 
Like, look at this great job I have. That's lightning striking. And then I got my own show. I'm like, things that seem impossible often happen. So just be prepared for anything. We've kind of like, my attitude of the show has been, you know, expect the worst and hope for the best. That is such an important point, Samantha. And we've talked about, we should be smiling. We should be happy. We should be joyful over having the freedom to go to the polls, even Mm -hmm. in a dark time, even in a tough time. But, and this is particularly true when we think about what may or may not happen with the election, Mm -hmm. but it's also true in thinking about what will happen after the election, regardless of who wins. Yes. And it is this, what we most expect often does not occur. Mm -hmm. What we least expect often happens. Yes. And I think we really need to have that in mind as we go through this final voting day and whatever is to become post-election. Yes, exactly. Things that were unimaginable four years ago came to pass by the dozens. Things we never would have thought would have ever happened. (laughs) So I'm kind of, you know, my jaw has been on the floor for four straight years. I'm amazed that we haven't lost the capacity to be shocked by things because so many shocking things have transpired. So I try to keep that in mind, but still you have to go into it with positive energy because you can make change. You can make change. And I think that regardless of how it turns out, all of these people who are activated, I I really pray that everybody stays activated. Well, I do as well. It's just uncovered so much. And, you know, on the positive side, and let's say this, Samantha, I am trying, I'm Mm -hmm. trying very hard to to come in with hopefulness and optimism. of course. We Americans are not perfect. We have a lot of false things. But one of the things that our history demonstrates that we are good at that Americans are very good at adjusting to change, even Mm -hmm. sudden unexpected change, Mm -hmm. that we adapt to change perhaps faster than anybody uh, in our same historical category, which is to say from the late 1700s into the present. One of the things we do well is adjust to change, even shocking change. Mm -hmm. And uh, without being preachy about it, with a great smile, I'm sorry we don't see each other, but with a great ear-to-ear smile to say that, Whatever happens on election day, mm-hmm. and having said what we least expect may happen, unexpected things happen. Sure. We're going to be all right. Yes. No, no president is bigger than the country as a whole. And we, we have demonstrated in the past that no matter how bad things get, we can adjust. It's one mm-hmm. of our strengths. And I have no doubt that whatever happens this election day, that going forward, that we and our beloved United States of America We'll adjust. We'll make it through. I agree with you. I think that if I've seen anything in this past four years, we've seen a lot of terrible things. But what we also have seen is people showing up for each other, is people taking to the streets and speaking up and using their voice and finding their power and finding their strength and and opening their hearts and opening and being generous with their time and their spirit and their energy. And it's been incredible to like, for me, it's been incredible to watch. I'm, I, you know, I have not had the career that you've had, you know, obviously, but I've been covering, I've covered many, many presidential elections now in my own weird way. And I've never seen anything like this before, for sure. Like I've just, the levels of engagement are, are through the roof and it, it makes me feel very proud that I chose this country and I'm sticking to it. And like I really believe in it because I really do believe that the people themselves are greater than any one president. I really fundamentally believe that. So people are always like, why don't you go back to Canada? And I'm like, no, I choose this place. God damn it. I'm going to try to make it better. Come well, on. And, and, we, and those of us who are lucky enough to be native born, can appreciate that. That is one thing, if you're lucky, you were born here, but you don't have a choice about it. You had a choice Mm -hmm. and made a choice, and we respect you all the more for it. You know, one thing occurred to me, Samantha, since this is going to be heard on the final voting day. Yes. If someone's listening to this and standing Mm -hmm. in line or about to vote or just have voted and saying to themselves, well, 
I did what I could do. I did mm -hmm. my duty. I voted. There is something else if you really care about how the election is going to go. There is something else people can do, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or Bugwump or something in between. Okay, tell me. You know, I'm fond of saying I'm not left wing, I'm not right wing, I'm not chicken wing. I'm, I'm just an, another American who really cares about his country. Here's something you can do mm -hmm. that even after you voted, think, where are there some people that you think are qualified to vote, but who haven't voted yet, that you might convince that they should vote? Okay. Call them up, go see them. Mm hmm volunteer to take them to the polling place. All right. Leverage your own vote. You voted hooray for you. Give you higher marks. Give you a salute. Yep. Play the Star Spangled Banner behind you. But now if you care as much as you've said you do, mm -hmm. fan out and see how many additional people that you can get to the poll, particularly people that, as I say, you say in your, have said in your own mind, I don't think they're going to vote. See if you can get them to the polls. See if you can get them to the polls. Okay. Dan, rather, this was exactly what I needed right now. I think it's exactly what my listeners needed. I I love talking to you so much. Every time I talk to you, I feel changed. I feel like I walk away on the other side better and happier. I'm like, I'm trying to think of a fun Dan Ratherism. Okay, I'm as, I feel I'm as, okay, here we go. This is, oh boy, on the fly. I'm as happy as, as a peanut butter cup in a warm sock. Does that make sense? It doesn't even make sense. It's just melted and just cozy. Okay. I'll take it. I love it. All right. It's, it's been a real pleasure being with you. Pleasure. And now, this a... is important, Samantha. You okay. and I have known, known each other on one level for a while. Yep. I always enjoy being with you. And what a talent you are. Oh, boy. But I want to say this to you confidentially. Okay. As confidential as anything gets on a live microphone speaking sure. to millions of people. Mm -hmm. If you need bail money, call me. I will take you up on that, sir. Don't you worry. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much, Dan Rather, for your words of wisdom. You almost make me want to be a real journalist. <laughs> and thanks to all my friends who participated in this episode for bringing, you know what, a little extra joy into it. I think a few more of them still want to say hi to you. Here they come. Hey, it's me, Alyssa Milano, and I vote for those who can't vote because voting is how we protect each other. Who do you vote for? And thank you so much for voting. Hi, June Diane Rayfield here saying thank you so much for mailing in your ballot, for voting early, for standing in line right now at your polling place. You are taking place in the democratic process. That makes you very attractive. Hey there, you guys. It's Bellamy Young, and it's election day. So I just wanted to say woohoo and thank you. We the people, we are democracy. So whether you voted early in person or by mail or you're standing in line right now, thanks for making your voice heard. I feel so happy and honored to be shaping the future of this country together. Sending you so much love. Thanks for voting! Hi, it's Ingrid Michelson, and I'm so happy that you're voting today. And if you have to pee, just hold it in. I know you can do it. Hi, it's me, Annie Potts. Here to remind you, it's election day! Dear God, I hope you already knew that. Go vote. Please go vote. The house is on fire, and the only thing that's going to put out the fire is your vote. Go. Stay if you have to, but vote please. Thank you. Hey, it's Debbie Downer here. The pandemic, climate change, white supremacists. There sure are a lot of downers happening right now, but you know what's not a downer? You're voting and making your voice heard. So thank you for voting. Don't forget, your vote counts. That is, unless the Russians get a hold of it. Well, you're voting, you're doing it. It's voting day. I'm proud of you. I hope you like my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, 
Well, you know what? Consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and subscribe to Full Release on Apple Podcasts and keep sending us your questions and feedback at fullrelease at samb.com. We'll be back next week to react to whatever happens today. So prepare for us to be emotionally drained no matter what. Stay safe out there. Remember, every vote counts. So stay in line, stay hydrated, and make that voice of yours, that beautiful golden voice of yours, heard. This podcast was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron Reinstein, with research provided by Noreen Malik and IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. Good luck out there. That's right. He's a Halloween baby. Did you know that? I did know that, and I forgot. <laughs> Do all October birthdays know each other? Yes, we all <laughs> hang out. We celebrate together. Yeah, there's a conference. <laughs> we had a party at a at a downstairs, like a cave, like an indoor restaurant that's <laughs> <Maskless>. really close, <laughs> maskless in a maskless cave. Yeah.